Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is Errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at Errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Season with Peter Schrager. I am Peter Schrager. Uh, I host Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. I'm also on Fox NFL Kickoff on Saturdays this week, but usually Sundays. And I occasionally am on a sideline during a game uh, getting snow slashed ice thrown at the back of me um, by a fired up uh, crowd in Western Buffalo. I'm joined today by my producer Aaron Wong Kaufman who is doing the show remotely so this is the first time we haven't been like together in the room Aaron what's up bud not too much I'm uh, I'm up here in Maine uh, for the holidays and um, you had you had your experience in the snow with Buffalo and I spent the weekend shoveling the driveway so yeah, similar, uh, bro, similar. <laughs> I think I'm tough I live in New York City it's cold here we walk the streets we're like all right we got the wind in our face that Buffalo cold hit a different way, and I'm sure that Maine cold hit a different way. Let me give you a quick recap of the weekend. Everyone saw the game. I'll give you the stuff you might not have seen and some of the other stuff uh, that I collected during the weekend while I was up in Buffalo. Start off with a long conversation with Mike McDaniel, the uh, head coach of the Miami Dolphins in the week leading up. I was assigned to the Dolphins uh, sideline, so I had an opportunity to sit with Mike, and I'll tell you what. He is as unique a figure in the NFL as you're going to find. He is so refreshing. He is such a personality, but he's also empathetic, which I think is a weird word to use when we talk about NFL head coaches. Most of our conversation was about Tua, 
And it was off the record, but sort of on the record. Use it in the game broadcast if you want, but I didn't get it in the game broadcast, so the podcast is perfect. Really what he was saying about Tua um, was that, you know, think about putting yourself in Tua's shoes. 24-year-old kid, you're not a robot, you're a human being. You go from being the most celebrated college football player to this serious injury, and then for the first two years of your career, being essentially told by everyone and their mother that you're a bust. And then you go and you end up playing really well and then you're the MVP and then you're the leading vote getter for the Pro Bowl and then after two bad games you're a bust again and he said that he saw Tua on the sideline when he was watching the TV copy of their loss to the Chargers which was the primetime game and Mike was watching the game back it was like I don't like that look in Tua's face I don't like that look of being defeated he says a lot of his job with Tua is not just pumping him up and lifting him up and, and telling him he's got his back but putting himself in Tua's shoes. So when a mistake happens, saying, okay, I'm frustrated as a coach because I see this, this, and this, but how's Tua feeling? I, I don't hear that often from NFL head coaches. A lot of it's top down and you're seeing some stuff in, in New York right now with the Jets and, and how Zach Wilson's you know being handled, not by the coaches, but just by the media and everything. And then you see other teams and how it's going with their young quarterbacks. And a lot of it is, you know, what do we do to protect him as far as not making him do too much with Tua? I think the McDaniel to a relationship was really interesting, but Aaron, that was just the football stuff. I went for wings twice on Friday. Should I be embarrassed? No, that's great. Uh, I saw, I saw a post about, uh, you went to Gabriel's gate, right? Yeah, but there was actually more to the story. (laughs) I landed, I had a meeting with the NFL network guys and the meeting ended and Brandon Bean, who's the GM of the Buffalo bills was in downtown Buffalo, which is about 25 mi- miles from where he lives. And he was with his wife, Haley, and they're lovely. And he says, hey, I'm, I'm downtown. Why don't you meet me for a drink before your dinner? And I'm like, all right, a drink before dinner sounds fine. He says, pick a place. I literally walk outside the hotel and there's a place called the Bada Bing. All right. If you're a Sopranos fan, the Bada Bing has a very uh, interesting connotation. The Bada Bing is obviously the men's uh, gentleman's club off of Route 17 on, on the Sopranos where, uh, you know, Sill's working down there, whoever you want to talk about. This was not a gentleman's club. In fact, it was a very nice sports bar. And we go there and I'm like, all right, I don't know if I need it to drink a beer right now. I'll just have an iced tea. I'll sit. We'll catch up. He's going to drink a beer or whatever. And then we ordered 20 winks. We ordered pizza. And I indulged. And I enjoyed myself. The wings were fine. I'm not going to say the Bada Bing wings were great, but they were fine. Then we finished, and Jason McCourty lands because he's doing the radio, and we work together on Good Morning Football. He's doing the radio of the game, and he's like, hey, I'm going to go meet up with some of the Dolphins players, guys I was teammates with last year. Do you want to join me and go meet up with them for dinner? I said, absolutely. I said, where are we going? He goes, let's find one of the wings places. Turns out this Gabriel's Gate is an old school place from the 1800s, and it was less than a mile away from where we were. We go in, and this is like your prototypical buffalo wing spot. And I'm in my head like, I don't need two things away. I already just, like, literally less than a half hour ago, I just I housed 10 wings. I don't need more. Get the menu, and it's just a dream come true. Not only did I get 10 hot wings with blue cheese and the whole thing, I also ordered a French onion soup because when in Rome, you know, it was cold, as it was cold out. I'm telling you now, I woke up. All right, first of all, the review. The wings were amazing. Everything was great. And the players that joined us, uh, Eric Rowe, who was injured, Javon Holland, star second-year player, who's fantastic. 
and uh, Vernon McKinley, who played really well in this game uh, out of Oregon as well. They weren't indulging in the wings like I was. I was knee deep swinging, swimming in it. Those guys had meetings. They were just saying hello to McCourty. Um, I loved the wings. They were good. They, they lived up to everything. So we post a photo of Jason and I at Gabriel's Gate. And the response is warm. It's great. And everyone's like totally into it. And then there was that Bar Bill faction, that Bar Bill army. Bar Bill is the place that everyone says you got to go to. However, Bar Bill is 25 minutes away. So here's my statement to you, Aaron. If somehow, some way, you and I get to Buffalo, whether it be we do a show live on the road for the AFC championship game, or we're doing a show in the summer or next year, or we're taking the season with Peter Schrager on the road, we will do it from Bar Bill. We will have ourselves some wings. We will satisfy those. But as of right now, number one in my rankings, as far as wings go, is Gabriel's Gate. And number two, very far off, is Bada Bing. <laughs> I think if we do a live show there, we have to make a pact that we're not eating wings until after the show. I think it's going to put you in a food coma. It's going to be tough to do the show with a full the food coma. Wings. Wait, there's more to my night. There's more oh to my. Can I just keep going <laughs> yeah, here? Keep going. Keep more going. eating. So we go do the Bills game, epic game. I'm on the sidelines. I'm uh, freezing my butt off. Takes us a while to get back to the hotel. And I'd never met Mark Sanchez before in a professional setting. I'd, I'd interviewed him, whatever, and I've seen him at Fox things. But like, I don't know. Sanchez and I hit it off. Like, this is my guy. We had two days together. He lent me a pair of wool socks. It was like the most endearing thing. He's like, do you have wool socks? I'm like, no. He's like, you should take mine. I'm like, oh, Sanchez was great. Loved him. We finished the call, the game, and everyone's like, Chippewa Street, which is where our hotel is, it's on fire. Everyone's fired up, and it's open till 4 a.m., all right? So I'm like, all right, I'm down for one. We get back to the hotel around 1 a.m. on Saturday. I've got like a 6 a.m. flight. So does Mark. I'm like, I'm down for one. We go to a place called um, Sidelines. Very good. I enjoyed Sidelines. Met the owner. Great dude. If, you've ever been in, if you're in Buffalo and Chippewa after a win, go to Sidelines. There's my promo. But they're like, no food allowed. Or the kitchen's closed. I'm like, ah, I'm so hungry. So hungry. Sanchez looks at me, and I and it's Sanchez, and it's his boy Steven. And they're like, there's a Domino's down the road. Shall we? Oh, God. <laughs> Aaron. Aaron. I'm not one to say no to a good time. Domino's. Full pie. House it. Have a couple cocktails. Get on that plane. Show up Sunday morning. I'm like a different human being. I feel like I just went to Vegas for three days with my boys. I feel like I haven't slept in weeks. Soccer's on. I'm into it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to stay awake. I, I watch the games. I got to stay up for this Giants-Commanders game. I will tell you this. It is now Tuesday. I still have not really had like a strong sleep. I'm running on fumes, and I am still feeling my Friday night, two orders of wings, my French onion soup, the blue cheese, the Saturday night, 2 a.m. Domino's pizza. And here we are doing the podcast. Maybe that's too much information, but that was my trip to Buffalo. I loved it. That's amazing. I always get this feeling whenever I leave the city, because I'm living in New York City. There's great pizza. I feel really picky about wanting pizza when I leave yeah, New yeah. York. But but there is nothing, as someone who's been to college, there's nothing quite like the 2 a.m. Domino's pizza. Bro, like, I don't care if it's Papa yeah. John's. Yeah. I don't care if it's Domino's. I don't care if it's Little Caesars. Little Caesars, I don't care. yeah. Dude, I'll indulge. 
I haven't had Pizza Hut in a while. Pizza Hut, I see their ads all over the thing. Pizza Hut's still doing it? I don't know. I'd like a stuffed <sighs> crust pizza. I used to like Pizza Hut. You go to Pizza Hut, they'd have like an arcade and they'd have like a salad bar in the Pizza Hut. I would indulge. I would, I would have a little salad, feel like I'm being healthy, then have like a double stuffed crust personal pan pizza and you get like the red cup filled with Coke. Yeah. Pizza Hut. If you're listening, you want to be a sponsor, yeah. we're here. <laughs> The last time I was at a Pizza Hut was in China, and in China, Pizza Huts are like fancy sit-down restaurants. Really? Yeah, I haven't been to one. Take in the me States through in a, a Chinese time. Pizza Hut. What is that like? I mean, it's like pretty usual pizza dishes. It's not like I mean, you're getting like some Chinese beer or something, but like okay. it's um, it's not like you're getting a, a you like, like white tablecloth. Like, what are we eating on? I can't remember. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't remember how fancy it was. It just it felt such like such All a right. bigger deal. Forget than going Bar to Bill. Yeah. The next <laughs> time you and I are going to China for a episode of the season, live show from Pizza Hut. Yeah, we're just trying to get to the Super Bowl, let alone China. But I'm thinking this show is going to take off, and we're going to be doing a full tour uh, within the next couple of weeks, and we're going to end up in China doing Pizza Hut. Um, all right, let's get to four downs. Are we ready? All right, first down, the Dolphins. You were there. You were on the sideline with them. Are there such things as moral victories? They lost the game, but do you think, is this a win for them? Yeah, dude, like three straight losses, and they're currently like hanging on uh, to the, the glimmer of hope to make the playoffs. And yet I come out of that game, I'm like, Dolphins are legit. Here was my fear. My fear was the Dolphins weren't going to be able to play in the cold because Tua has been terrible in the three games he's played under 40 degrees. He never played in cold in college. He's from Hawaii. You've got, you know, a lot of different things going against them. And then they go into Buffalo and they just run the snot out of the ball right down the throats of a really good defense from Buffalo. And they were up 29-21 late in the fourth quarter. And that was in the conditions. Now, I know when the snow came, the offense kind of sputtered. And you could say, well, when the conditions actually came, they didn't have it. But I think Miami acquitted themselves well. I think they silenced a lot of people. And I think it was important to put that narrative to bed because – they're going to go to the playoffs. I'm pretty confident the Dolphins will find their way in. And when they go, they're going to be a road team. And if you look at the playoffs right now in the AFC, the number one seed, Buffalo, outdoors, talking 10 degrees in January. Kansas City is the two seed, outdoors, talking 10 degrees in January. You go right down the list, whether it's Cincinnati or Baltimore, whether it's Tennessee, they're going to have to go into cold weather. Now, Jacksonville, if they somehow pull it off and they win the AFC South and the Dolphins end up the four, the five seed, and all right, then Jacksonville fine. Or if they end up playing the Chargers in a divisional round game, fine. Like that's uh, to me, they're going somewhere in the cold, and I had to see it to believe it that they could actually hang, and they did. And I appreciate McDaniel. I gave you my whole spiel on him. Mike and I talked for a while about the T-shirt he wore last week, where he said, "I wish it were colder." They actually, I got my hands on one. I showed it on the broadcast. The whole thing. They didn't, they didn't shy away from it. A lot of coaches would have been like, that's not a storyline. Stop worrying about it. He leaned into it. And McDaniel made this point. And it's my last point on Mike McDaniel, but I talked to him for a while. So I figure if you're listening, you want to hear. He's coached in the league 15 years. He's coached one season with the Cleveland Browns. Okay? One season with the Cleveland Browns. The other seasons were spent in Houston, Atlanta, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. Mike's point to me was, for 14 of the 15 years that I've been coaching, my teams have heard, you're the warm weather team going to the cold weather city. How are you going to win? How are you going to win? He's like, we won a lot of games with Atlanta. We won a lot of games. He's like, you know, We won a lot of games with Washington when we had to. We won a lot of games with Houston when we had to go. And of course, San Francisco last year, he said, 
the day before the NFC Championship game, it was like 80 degrees and sunny with no elements. And they went to Green Bay the next day. And you saw what happened when they went into Green Bay. So I don't think he believes in that narrative. Uh, you know, the people in Buffalo, they have heaters in their homes. They choose to use those heaters, just like the Dolphins chose to use the heaters on their sidelines. They're, they're, the whole thing was a little bit overblown. And I think the Dolphins, they lost, but they silenced a lot of critics and people doubting whether that team can travel. Yeah, I agree. I was terrified watching Raheem Mostert in the first half there. That was... How yeah. how good is Mostert? And then they stopped. They stopped yeah. going to him. Yeah. But then uh, Savan Ahmed was was running was well too. too. Yeah. He was getting like seven yeah. and a half yards per carry. Uh, yeah. All right. Second down. What can you tell me about this Patriots loss? Like this was I, the highlight. I feel like this stole World Cup. Low light or highlight? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mac Hollins out on defense. He's all the way back. Uh, Stevenson... Is anyone going to It's inside the 30, flips it back. Stanford band nowhere in sight. Uh oh, it's picked off. Uh oh, oh no. Unbelievable. Oh wow. Incredible. Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. Have you ever seen an ending I like that? I've never one? seen anything like that. I have no idea why he was doing that. Oh my goodness. I think it opens up a lot of doors to questions. I think, you know, in a in a small microcosm, it's like, yeah, I mean, they lost the game and that's that's what happens. It's a freak play. We're gonna talk about it for years. It's it's Leon Led, it's Jim Marshall and Jacoby Myers and Ronger. What are you thinking? I also think it opens up quite a few conversations about what the hell's going on in New England. Like that's not a Belichick coach team. That's not something that happens when you've got Bill Belichick, the greatest situational football coach in the history of the sport, the greatest disciplinarian in the history of the sport. The, you expect them to to lose because the talent might not be on the field. You expect them to lose because who knows, it's a road game in Las Vegas. You don't expect them to give up a 13-point lead with 40 seconds, and you certainly don't expect mental mistakes to, to be the ones that kill them. A point that was made to me by someone from a different team was – that Jacoby Myers lateral or throwback, whatever it was, that happens right on the Patriots sideline. Like, how is no one yelling, go down, go down? Like, that, that, that's not like that was in the middle of the field. It's not like it was on the Raiders sideline. Like, even that situation was peculiar. And it opens up the door, like, what are we doing with the Patriots? I don't think they're going to the playoffs. Belichick's 70, Robert Kraft's 80. Like, is this the team they're rolling out next year? I don't know what the future is for everyone. Mac Jones, is he the quarterback? It's great free agents left. Tom Brady's a free agent. Bill Simmons went into this in depth with me a couple of weeks ago. Like, Brady's miserable with this Bucks team. Are we sure he's retiring on this note? The Patriots seem miserable. Like, is there no way that Brady comes back one more year for the Patriots? That's the stuff that happens when you lose games like that. You have those conversations. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a free agent. Do you not bring Jimmy in if you're Belichick and say, all right, what? Are you firing the coaches, Patricia and Judge? Are you firing Belichick? No, but are you talking to Belichick and saying, like, where are we going with this thing? Maybe. I just know this. I, t I work with Jason McCourty every day. He was a Patriot for three years. His brother's been one of the all-time great Patriots. Robert Kraft is in it. He's in the team meetings. He's in it. He travels with the team. He loves this stuff. Robert Kraft has to be seething right now. And it's not just like, oh, Robert Kraft is sad that his team isn't competitive in these games. No, Robert Kraft wants to be a championship contender every single year. And I wonder if there's some hard questions that they ask this offseason. And it was only brought to light even more uh, with that freakish play. I, I, it might be all she wrote for the Patriots. And I don't know what that means long term. But I, I think it's going to be an interesting offseason in New England. All right. Third down. 
What's the Jalen Hurts injury mean for his MVP chances? Yeah, good question. So I put this on Twitter on Monday night. I said, if Jalen Hurts misses a couple games, does that mean he misses out on being the MVP? And I said, that's he should have a chance to be the MVP. He's been the MVP uh, to get them to 13 and one. He's been the best player. He's been the guy wire to wire and he's elevated his game so much. I think he's really valuable. And I would say 99% of the responses were like, boo hoo hoo. Like, this is what it is. You got to be on the field. And if you're getting hurt in December, I'm sorry, like, doesn't matter. The votes come in at the end of the regular season. And the numbers really do show that Mahomes has had this statistical season that is far superior to Jalen Hurts. And I think the Mahomes army is making a case. It reminds me, Aaron, of my childhood watching the NBA in the 90s. And Michael Jordan in 93 was the best player in basketball, but Charles Barkley won the award. And and in 97, it went to Karl Malone. You know, like... The voters, they might be bored by Mahomes, but at the end of the day, is Mahomes not the most valuable player in the league? Is he not the best player in the league? What he's doing on a week-to-week basis, he saved them in that Houston game with some you know, miracle play. He saved them in the Denver game when the defense gave up 27 straight points or whatever it was. Mahomes was there down the stretch when they needed him most. Mahomes' numbers, he might end up breaking the single-season passing record. Like, It's probably a Mahomes award now, and I think if Jalen Hurts had been able to finish the whole season and go wire to wire, it was probably his award. That's the cruel truth to it. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you hold it against him? I just think it's how the voters vote. You know, I so I have a tough time because sort of along the Michael Jordan lines, like it's tough to see the same person win MVP over and over and over again. I mean, even... You no, know, he's in, only won it once. Right, but he's still been... I mean, the everyone knows he's the guy, yeah. Um I think, you know, Andy Reid had that thing. He came out in the press conference this weekend. And he was like, if Mahomes isn't the MVP, I don't know what he's doing wrong. And of course, like every coach is going to fight for their players. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, All right, let me let me put these out here for you. Let me uh, you're the voter right now. Now, there's, here's how it works for years. As long as there ever was the AP voting, there's 50 voters and they all can only pick one guy. And the winner of that most votes is the MVP. And that's that. It's in, it's non-disputed, whatever. This year, they changed it. They, they, they did a different thing where they're going to be doing it where you rank your top few MVPs and your first place vote is weighted differently than your second place vote dated than your third place vote. And then they put those tabulations together and that's how the MVP is voted. Let me ask you, if you're a voter and you have to rank your top four right now, knowing that Jalen Hurts might miss a couple of weeks, who, who do you put in your ballot? And then I'll do mine. Okay, I think... Unfortunately, I think Mahomes is first. I think okay. Hurts is second. Um, I, you know, I don't want to be too much of a homer, but I'm going to have Allen third. You're not Josh Allen's amazing. Yeah, yeah I just, not a I, you know, it's it's tough to to say that. Um, <clears throat> fourth, um, uh, I'm going to say Russell Wilson just so that he can finally get a vote. No, not, that I, not seriously, <laughs> but <laughs> Russell Wilson not getting a vote for the MVP yeah. was like Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. Like, yeah. yes, we understand. <laughs> Stop mentioning it every time. Um, I'll fill it in. Your fourth is, I would say, without your, the list of you, you'd probably go either Justin Jefferson or Burrow, right? I would go Burrow. Yeah, yeah. Mine would go like this. Uh, I really want to vote for Hurts. I think it sucks that he got hurt, but like I understand it. I'd go one Mahomes. Two, I'd go... Okay, how about this? The winner of the Monday night game between Cincinnati and Buffalo in week 17 is my number two vote getter. So that's Allen or Burrow, two, three, the other guy. And then I guess Hertz is four. So those are my four guys that are in there. It's all quarterbacks. I know it sounds like it's a quarterback award, but those are the four I would go with. 
uh, and I'm curious what the listeners think. As of right now, going into week 16, Mahomes, Hurts with an asterisk, Allen, and of course, Joe Burrow, who is suddenly red hot and is getting himself in the conversation. All right, fourth down. Who do you want to shout out this week? 22 years old, turned 22 five days ago, and might have had the best single game performance by a New York Giant in a big game in the last five years. Kayvon Thibodeau is my shout out. I got to know this guy just a little bit in the pre-draft process, but what I really got to know was what other people were saying about him and the Giants. And we had Joe Shane on earlier in the season on this podcast. The Giants really liked what they saw. They were like, he's authentic. It, he he says things, but he backs them up and he actually means them. And he's a good kid and he's a smart kid. And I think he he had the quote of the year and he's like, prime time. I don't look for prime time. Prime time finds me. Whatever he said after that game. I, Thibodeau was amazing on Sunday night. Amazing. In a game where we we're like, oh, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley have to step up. They did. But it was Thibodeau who stole the show. And for the New York Giants to have a defensive player play like that in a Sunday night game in the NFC East. I couldn't be more jazzed for this market, for that team, for that franchise, and for that kid. Just 22 years old, I thought he was the best rookie on the field this weekend, and he makes the game-saving tackle on third, on second and goal, but also makes the game-saving you know, strip, touchdown, all the whole thing. Thibodeau's a freak. We've been waiting for him. He's been showing flashes, and it's been boiling up to this point. They've got three games left. They need him to play that way for those final three weeks, and I'll tell you what, New York, New York football between Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner and Bam Knight, uh, the rookies that these that this market has right now, and now you add Kayvon Thibodeau to that, just an unbelievable performance. Who do you give your who do you give your fourth down to? Before we go to that, I just want to—I I was looking at some Kayvon stuff too, and okay. according to New York Post, before the game, usually for the Giants, uh, Xavier McKinney pulls everyone together and they just like have a oh, pre-game like little huddle. Because he was injured, Thibodeau did it. And like Love it. Saquon. 22. Came, yeah. Saquon was like, it's amazing the leadership this guy is showing at like 16 game, 15 games into his career. Um, so yeah, I loved seeing that. And he was amazing to watch. The Giants were struggling on offense and he kickstarted them despite being a defensive player. Um, so I'm going to go from my fourth down. I'm going to go with Jarek McKinnon, who... You know, I, I remember watching him in Minnesota. He was always splitting time with Matt Asiata, and Asiata would get all the touchdowns. Latavius Murray. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then then he goes. I remember his free agent signing yeah. was such a big I deal. I broke that news. Shanahan, I broke it. Yeah, Shanahan was so excited. And it was Jets or Niners, and he chose the Niners over the Jets, and it was like a bidding war at the end, yeah. And and it, there was so much, like, optimism for what he could do in the Shanahan system and he gets injured and then he comes back and he gets injured and and it just seemed like his career was kind of petering out he signs with the Chiefs and you know this year CEH started for them and he was catching all these touchdown passes he was like a red zone weapon for them and then he faded out Pacheco comes in and then this game Pacheco fumbles in the second he's like out of the game for a long time and McKinnon just like He's he he had the game winning touchdown in overtime. He had seventy receiving yards. He had another reception, uh, receiving touchdown. He got the two point conversion. Like he and he was big against the the Broncos too with two the receiving jet. touchdowns. He's amazing. So it's so good to hey, see him. I'll tell you this: 
Last year in the AFC Championship game, they were riding McKinnon against the Bengals, and they were sitting pretty, and then he didn't touch the ball in the second half. For whatever reason, they went away from that, and Mahomes struggled, and, and defensive coordinator Lou Anamarumo had all these tricks up their sleeve to confess. McKinnon almost was that guy last year for the Chiefs. If I see him come back and do it this year, I couldn't, I couldn't root for a guy more. I'll give you a personal story. I was in Vegas with my friends one time, no joke, and Jet McKinnon and Matt Breida, who are college teammates, were there together, and I didn't recognize him. I don't know anything. And McKinnon's like, yo, Shriggs, what's up? And like, we were in the club together, and that was my coolest <laughs> moment. I'm like, I went to the club with Jet McKinnon. He was the man. I think he was drinking water that night, so I have new respect for him. Pretty good guy. Um, but yeah, let's see how it goes down the stretch. And I, I love that pick. That's great. Are you ready to, to bring our new guest in? Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, should I should I set it up a little bit? This yeah. guest has, I think I I want to tell him this, and I'll say it as much when we bring him on. But like, there's been a couple innovations in in NFL TV that's been really cool. I think the first down marker being yellow was a cool one. The scoreboard being on the game, I thought when they brought in Mike Pereira for the first time that was cool. And then there was this guy's addition to the NBC studio show. Our guest is the man in the khakis. We're bringing on Steve Kornacki after this. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is Aaron's. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at Aaron's. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. 
And now it's time for our guest. Uh, I'm so excited to have him on the podcast. As I mentioned, going into the commercial break, there have been uh, some great innovations in sports TV in recent years. I love the first down marker. I love the fact that we can now see the scoreboard. I think uh, the addition of a Mike Pereira, I like mic'd up. I think when you have the player's audio on the field, it's cool. But there may be no more enjoyable thing that I see on a Sunday night at around 7.30 o'clock, uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock Eastern in December and January when I see this gentleman in khaki pants show up on my television with a giant screen and he's breaking down the playoff scenarios. With no further ado, one of my favorite guys to see on television during playoff time, Mr. Steve Kornacki. Steve, what's up, man? Uh, what a what a welcome. She's the compare me to the first down marker. I love it. <laughs> Appreciate it. You know, it. it's it's cool because I've been watching you for years on on MSNBC, NBC, and I know politics uh, was where you got your start. But I got to imagine a lot of football fans. Th- they look at you as the playoff guy and not as the election. You know, let's go into the gerrymandering situation here in Nebraska. Um, how have football fans? Uh, kind of come to you in the last couple of years since you have been doing the playoffs on NBC on that big screen TV. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been, it's been just a really fun experience for me. Great experience. Kind of, I think it came out of the uh, 2020 election, um, you know, got a call from NBC sports, obviously the election ended right as the playoff race was kind of heating up, you know, it's that time of year when you get close to Thanksgiving or so. And really just kind of, kind of thought it was a natural fit. The um, you know, believe it or not, just when you look at the election, you know, presidential election, you know, I, I spend months leading up to election night doing the road to 270 electoral votes. You know, if this candidate wins this state, if this candidate wins that state, what are the different scenarios? What's the probability of all that? And it really, there's a lot of overlap there with the with the NFL playoff chase. You know, hey, look, if the Jags win this game, if the Titans lose that game, what's it going to do to the odds? What's it going to do to the, uh, you know, to the big picture? So, we, you know, we really thought there was kind of an overlap there. Got a chance to start doing it in uh, 2020. This is the third year. And um, yeah, it's one of those. It's just, look, I'm a fan myself. Um, you know, I, I love the uh, I love the playoff chase. I always have. So to get to actually kind of cover it is it's just a really cool experience. I, I think you're great at it. And you give it um, this almost analytical data driven angle to it with without the editorial that you put in there. You don't usually kind of weigh in on your thoughts on what you think is going to happen. You're like, just here are the numbers and here are how it goes. Um, but you weren't always just data driven you know, 538, like that kind of stuff. You, you, you've had a really rich journalism career and I go through it with, with different publications. When did you start leaning into the numbers and when did you become that guy on the political side? And then how'd you translate that over to the sports side? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I, uh, I started, I covered New Jersey politics. I think you're from uh, Jersey originally, so you can probably, uh, you can appreciate what a rich, uh, what a rich culture. I go back to Christine Whitman. Let's go. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Whitman. <laughs> I got there as McGreevy was coming in. Bob Torres. Oh, we, we can I, go that's too. a separate podcast, but uh, Jersey was a great place to learn and to cover politics. And I tell people still to this day, the best stories I have, you know, are from were you living in Trenton, like just covering the beat. What were you doing? Nah, I lived in, uh, I started in Woodbridge because okay. uh, it was centrally located, ended up in Hoboken. And I, you know, the, the the fun part of doing it then for me was I, I didn't just cover the state house. I covered, you know, Jersey has these these big, strong regional county political organizations, Hudson County, Bergen County, Essex County. Yes, I've county. seen the movie The Irishman. So I've, seen it. I've seen it. It's, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's where, that's where the stories came from. So uh, yeah, I got to cover that. Spent a lot of time in Hackensack, you know, spent a lot of time in Newark and uh, Jersey City. And and that's where I got the best stories from. But I loved it. I did three years of doing that. Then I covered Congress 
you know, for a little while and and came back up this way. And I actually it's it's I, I did some sports stuff. Um, I was writing for the New York Observer. This goes back about 10 years ago. The Wall Street Journal had launched a sports section um, and they had a thing called The Count. And okay. they were trying to kind of combine numbers, sports. And so I was a contributor to that for a little while. So that's how I kind of got got started a little bit with that crossover of, you know, politics and sports, uh, then ended up, you know, doing the TV stuff and election nights. And here we are. Yeah. And when you prepare for that uh, election night and you're doing the numbers at the board, obviously John King's on CNN, you're on MSNBC. Uh, who's it? Brett Baer. I don't know who's doing it for Fox News, but it's like, this has now become a job. Like just like NFL insider is a job, just like, you know, this is the cooking segment on the show. Like you are the guy at that full screen and you have to manage not only the numbers, but also be the technical guy to know where to go and where to swipe. How much work are you putting in into just the technical part of knowing how all those things work and then also trying to balance that with the actual data and information you want to provide? The prep is, is I, I, I think, the almost a, is a full-time job in a lot of ways. And it's learning the counties. It's learning the geography. It's learning the history of each county to be able to say something meaningful on the fly if a county comes into into play. Um, the other thing that's become a huge part of this in the last couple of years is, you know, voting is more complicated than ever. People vote by mail. People vote two weeks early at an early voting site. People vote on election day at a, at a polling place. And those, depending on what, which way people vote, those are very different. You know, the, the people who vote on election day, it's pretty strongly Republican. The people who vote by mail, it's overwhelmingly Democratic. And so one of the things that I do is I spend months calling county level election officials across the country and asking them, what is your sequence on election hmm. night? What is the sequence for that specific the county? Is so it, you know, because so it's meaningful, because if we're standing there, you know, this we just had a Georgia Senate runoff. Yeah. And if we get a big batch of votes from a big county 15 minutes you know, after polls close, you need to know what you're looking at. You know, if you're if, if, if it's mail ballots, it could mean one thing. If it's early votes, it could mean something else. If it's same day votes, it could mean a third thing. And to be able to interpret it, you need to know what it is. And it's very as the votes come into our system, it can be very unclear. So a lot of this is just calling up county election officials, asking them to take you through what their plan is. Um, a lot of them are really good about it, you know, about talking about it. And, and one thing I've learned, too, is that old Mike Tyson line, everyone's got a plan until they get the punched mouth. in the yeah. face. A lot of times, a lot of times they got a good plan for what they're going to do, but it doesn't work out. Yeah, that and way. you got to be so good on the fly. And I respect it so much. It, TV, though, is a visual medium and it's not just the information. You also have a look and you have a style and a swagger and there is... Kornacki is a thing. And I remember, uh, you know, after the election, they showed your tie. Maybe you put it on Instagram or something. And it was put together by Staples because you had been yeah. ripping it off so many times, like Chris, like Chris Farley, like in a van down the river. You're just, you're in it, man. You're totally in it. Your look thing. I feel like that's just authentically you, which I love that they didn't try to, try yeah. to change that when, when you got on air. The problem with that tie was, I don't know, I still haven't learned how to tie a tie. Is that right? So that was the only, yeah, and this was, yeah, this was 2020. So it was pandemic. There aren't a lot of folks around. So I, I know people who know how to tie ties. That's how I've kind of got by in this world. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I usually have a few kind of just on the shelf and I could put one on and, and finish the knot. But it was the only one that was tied and there was no one else around to do it. So I, you know, the thing was coming apart at the seams, literally. So I stapled it together to get through the election week. Now I got a second one. But once again, I had to have somebody else do the uh, 
do the dirty work for me. Did it blow you away though? Like Halloween, people went as Steve Kornacki. Like, and it's like the look of like the khakis and the tie. Like, did you ever think in a million years that you'd be this, you know, not only an important influential figure in journalism, but like a cultural icon in a lot of ways? Uh, it's not, no, <laughs> I, I, I still don't know what to make of it. It's, you know, baffling. I mean, I, and I didn't even, the, the whole khaki thing, I mean, to, honest to God, like I, I didn't set out to make that, you know, a thing. Again, I think it was kind of like a pandemic thing. I was, there wasn't a lot of adult supervision here at 30 Rock. <laughs> and I was just, I had him on during the day. And then I look at my clock and it's like 5.45, time to go to the studio for election night. So I just tuck my shirt and put the tie on and, and go out there. And then the next day, I think sometime that week, my producer's asking me, he's like, what kind of pants are those? And I'm like, why are, why are you asking me? I said, people were interested. I, I don't, <laughs> last thing, honestly, it's the last thing I ever ever would have expected. I love it. Um, All right, let's go to the football side of it. So every Sunday night you get there, what time are you rolling in to, to the Stanford studios to, to get to that, that full, that big screen? What do you even call that? The full screen monitor? What what time? Yeah, it's uh, the same technology we use here, you know, big board. Um, There's a little different. There's a little, they got a, they got a wooden frame around there. It's a little classier, I think, but um, uh, no, it's cool. I get there, you know, a little bit before the one o'clock games um, and you get to just watch, you know, they got them all on a screen, you know, in front of the room. Um, and it's one of those last couple of years, you know, I'm just kind of pinching myself because I'm sitting there and I'm like, I- I'm, I'm watching the games, but really I'm, I'm like, I'm watching Tony yes, Dungy, Tony Dungy watch, watch the games, a game, yes. which is just, you know, or, you know, now Jason Garrett or, you know, um, and seeing their, their real time reactions, you know, to different things. Um is it's really cool. It's just, a, it's a, it's a, you know, you're watching a hall of famer react in real time to these games. And if you've ever sat there just watching at home, wondering what they're thinking now, you're actually seeing it. So that's, that's been a really cool experience. You have out like a pad and paper, you've got a statistician with you. Cause in real time, those things change. And then, Hey, by the way, we're going live in about 20 minutes, Steve, what's the latest, the four o'clock games just ended. Like, how has that all worked during the day? Because I think you're so good in such real time. And it's almost like the NCAA tournament reveal when you're like, here are the latest playoff standings and here's what your team needs to happen to get in. Yeah. It's so we've got, we've got a great partnership with uh, PFF, you know, as a data provider. So they've been, they're in touch with us, you know, throughout the day, you know, got a producer, John Furlong, who I work with. And um, yeah, it's, you know, you kind of know going into the day what the big possible playoff implication stories could be. But then, you know, some of them fizzle out, you know, based on you know, how the games go. And then some of them really kind of come into focus during the day. And then we get a big update, you know, I think, you know, usually it's about five o'clock, okay. I would say. After the one o'clock games are done, we get a big update about where things stand now and kind of what the contingencies are for the four o'clock games. Because, you know, the way Football Night in America works, we go on oh, at yeah. seven Usually there's still, still a couple of games still playing out, right? So we know there's like this Sunday was a great example. This past Sunday, you know that AFC wild card picture, so much hangs on that Patriots and game, Titans, so much Chargers, hangs on that yeah. Chargers Titans, right? And I mean, at one point we're standing there in the middle of the seven o'clock hour, and it, oh, they're both going to overtime. What are we going to do for this hit? And then suddenly they both end in regulation, one in the most crazy and, and personally as a Massachusetts native, painful way I've yeah. ever seen. But it, it just changes and shakes up the numbers. In, in a huge way. Yeah. Um, okay. We're in week 16 right now. You did the show on Sunday. We just had a Monday night football game. Would you mind, you know, indulging us a little bit? Can we go and we go through some of these teams and just kind of help yeah. the listeners? All right. Let's start with one of our favorite teams um, on this podcast, one that we talk about all the time. And we've had so much commentary on it, the Detroit Lions. They have now won 
what looks to be seven of eight games. No team has gone to the playoffs after starting one and six since 1990. And yet here they are on the doorstep. They're not currently in. They're in what we call in the world of football, quote, in the hunt. But they're right Right. there. They've got three games left. Go through the Lions scenario, what they need and what the percentages are. Yeah, we got them at 39%. So still not even not even 50%. Wow. Okay. No, but it's not. I mean, it's nobody basically if you go it's a fight essentially for the last two wild card spots in the NFC. Cowboys are one of them. Giants. And then you got the two more. I I'd say yeah, right. Cowboys more or less, you know, you let's stipulate that the Cowboys, you know, are are there at, at five. So six right now would be the Giants. The Giants are in great shape, you know, just statistically. So then you go down to Washington, and Washington is also under – they're in the seventh spot right now, but they're under 50%. Then you go to the Seahawks. They're in the eighth spot. Same record as Detroit, but they beat them head-to-head, so they have the eighth spot because of that. But the Seahawks' percentage of getting into the playoffs is actually – I think we have met 29. Really? I think they're 10 points less than Detroit because the trend is so unfavorable. The schedule – is so unfavorable for Seattle. You know, they got to go to play at Kansas yep. City this week. So you look at it from Detroit's standpoint, essentially at 40% right now at 7-7. Seven and seven, I think the schedule is, you know, look, Carolina, Chicago, at Green Bay. Um, it would have helped them, I think, last night if Green Bay had lost okay. because then Green Bay would definitely have nothing to play for in that last game. It's possible, not that likely, but it's possible Green Bay is going to have something on the line in that last game. But those are three very winnable games for Detroit on paper. So kind of the way I look at it is the Giants have the best chance of getting one of those last two spots. And I think the Giants have a gift here in the schedule because they get Philly in the last week and Philly's probably not going to have anything to play for. And they get the Colts the second of last week, right? Yeah. And if if Philly wants to rest starters and it looks especially likely with the Jalen Hurts situation, and then you get the Colts before that, the Giants, if if you really then say, "Mm, okay, Giants more likely than not are going to hang on, let's say that's six, it's about Washington. It's about Washington, Seattle, and and Detroit. And if Detroit just wins the last three, all they need to have happen is both Washington and Seattle lose one. Really? And you can, That's like a I, path. And, it's, and, the, and it could be this weekend. It could actually be this weekend when you look at it. Like, it could happen. Because Detroit plays Carolina this weekend. Totally winnable, yep. right? Seattle goes to Kansas City. Huge upset if Seattle actually wins that game. So Seattle could be 7-8. and eight coming out of this weekend. Detroit could be eight and seven coming out of this weekend. And Washington goes and plays the Niners. Washington could obviously lose that. They could be seven, seven and one. So right away this weekend, Detroit could pass both of them. And then all they'd have to do is win out. Uh, All right. Love that. All right. We've got a huge game and we're recording this on a Tuesday. The podcast will go live on Tuesday night. Huge game Thursday. I laugh because you and I are are in sports media. You're in a different sort of media as well. When you talk to politics, But when Jeff Bezos pays $3 billion to the NFL to get a Thursday night package and they tell you, you've got Jets Jaguars in week 16, I can only imagine he and his lieutenants are like, well, that's an interesting decision, NFL. Thank you very much for that. And then here we are, Jets Jaguars Thursday night with potentially a playoff spot on the line. Can you go through the Jets and Jaguars a little bit? This might be spoiling the weekend listeners because they'll already know the outcome, but going into the game, how important is this one? And really, Jacksonville, their story is amazing. The craziest thing about Jacksonville right now is they're sitting at six and eight, and they contr- essentially they control the AFC South. If the Jags go 3-0, and that's going to include a win the last week of the year against Tennessee, and they that's would it. win the They've division. They've already beat them once, yeah. So... Right. And, and I mean, Tennessee also at seven and seven controls the division. If they went out, that would include a win over the Jags. Jags couldn't catch them. But I mean, Jacksonville, 
They, it's huge for Jacksonville because I think essentially they need to get into that last week within one game of Tennessee. If they're within one game of Tennessee going into that last week, then all they got to do is beat Tennessee. They tie them in the standings. They have the head-to-head. They'd be 2-0 head-to-head. They'd get the division. And yeah, Tennessee's playing Houston this week. So, you know, if Tennessee wins that game, and I look, the way Tennessee's been and playing, the way Houston's, frankly, been, playing. The way Houston's yeah. right, been playing, that's no, you know, we I, I think our model has a 76% likelihood Tennessee wins the game. Say Tennessee wins the game, huge opportunity for the Jags here because, you know, it'd be underdogs against the Jets, but if they win the game, then they get Houston yeah. the next yeah. week. You know, so they, it would put them in a situation where if they could win this one, where I think it it it, it really makes it likely that that last I, week, and I believe in momentum. Yeah. Like I, the Titans have lost four straight, and I know the numbers might say, "Well, here are the odds." All that I don't know, Malik Willis might be going, and they've lost four in a row, and they've fired their general manager, and they've had issues all season long. Like to me, that's that's the stuff that the numbers maybe don't account for. And to me, it's like Jacksonville's just rolling, you know. And Jacksonville's rolling. That the, the one the one thing I say though is as think about Sunday night. You know, Washington came in 6-1-1. One, and one. New York came in winless in the last four. And then the Giants go on. I know they got a little help there potentially. No, but Washington's but coming off a bye. They're right. rested, and right. they still couldn't find it. Right. But, uh, yeah, and then for the Jets, too. It's Look, the Jets, I think we have them at about 25 Oh, is it that low? Because going into the weekend, it's, they were in it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Huge, huge missed opportunity for the Jets. Huge missed opportunity for the Pats. Um, Pats would have been over 50, well over 50% to make the playoffs if they hadn't blown that game. The one thing the Jets have going for them, at least potentially, is they get Miami last week of the year. So Who might they not could, be playing for anything, yeah. Or it could be, it could potentially be a playoff spot on the line. You know, if, right. they, if the Jets can. So I so Jets, you know, if they can win this one, they're, I think they're trying to put themselves in a the position there where that Miami game matters last week and is a chance to potentially. They need some help, but it's a chance to potentially leapfrog Miami and get in. Okay, so these are the realistic options, but some of my favorite stuff is when you get the. Well, if this happens and that happens and you get the Russell Crowe beautiful mind graphic up and then you got the guy from Always Sunny in Philadelphia connecting all the dots, then you got the true detective image and it's this long shot can make it too. Give us your greatest long shot scenario for a team that no one expects to actually make it that still could. Here it is. The most remote playoff possibility. The odds of this happening are 0.2%. Perfect. Okay? So this is this is the Indianapolis Colts. They are not out of it yet. They are out of the wild. It's not the, the wild card is out of the question for them, but the AFC South isn't. And here's what the Colts would need to have happen to win the AFC South and get in. They would need to win out, obviously, and that would put them at seven, nine, and one. Then they would need Tennessee to lose all three of their remaining games. That's Houston, Dallas, Jacksonville. If that happens, Tennessee is seven and ten. Indianapolis is ahead of them. Then they would also need Jacksonville to lose to both the Jets and to Houston and then beat to Tennessee. beat Tennessee okay. the last week. And the Jags would land at 7-10. and 10. And then at 7-9-1, and one, the Colts. So it, they just gave up the biggest yes. lead in NFL history. This would be the biggest playoff comeback <laughs> in NFL history to get in. That's amazing. That's what it would take. That's amazing. They'd have the biggest playoff. They'd have the biggest regular season collapse and the greatest playoff comeback. That would be fantastic. All right. Let me wrap this with just a couple rapid fire questions. You have this incredible journalism career. I always start off with advice. What would be your one piece of advice? A guy gets in an elevator or a gal gets in an elevator and looks at you and says, wow, 
you're doing what I've always wanted to do. What would be your advice to a young journalist trying to break into either politics or even sports media at this point? Yeah, I think if, you, if it's early in your career or whatever, just don't be afraid to, to take a chance and don't be afraid to kind of go off the beaten, established path. Because I was telling you at the start of this, the experience I had in Jersey was just such a great one for so many different reasons for me. And it wasn't, you know, if I was grad, when I was graduating college, you know, if I wanted to start in political journalism, I mean, the, the move would have been go down to D.C. There's a, you know, a million ways to try to get in down there. And I found kind of a, a unique job covering state politics in New Jersey. And I learned a lot about journalism. I learned a lot about politics. It's a cliche. I learned a lot about life. Like I said, I yeah. just had so many great experiences there. Um, learned to just, I love the state. I love the people I met. I love the culture. And it's just, a, it's, a hu- it's a huge part of my life. I still talk about it a lot. You get me going on Jersey. I'll go all day. So, um, and, you know, it all ended up working out too from a career perspective. So, you know, don't be afraid, I think, to kind of take a chance and go off the beaten path because, that's where some of the some of the fun in life might be. I love that. I always talk on this podcast about the broadcasters I grew up looking to someday emulate, but also the sports writers and how important a Peter King or a Bill Simmons or a Gary Smith was to me. Who was the political writer or pundit on television that when you were in high school, college, and right out of school, you were looking to and saying, okay, that's someone that I really aspire to someday even emulate? Yeah, you know, honestly, it was election nights. I mean, a, a huge memorable election night for me and for you know tens of millions of people was the 2000 election. Sure. And you know, I really think that's one that kind of was a pivot point where you know we had a lot of blowout elections before 2000 where a job like mine wouldn't have made much sense because by 8.05 p.m. we'd know who the winner was. Settled. But we, we live in an era now of close elections and elections that go on sometimes for days. And that was really kind of the first one. And, and the guy I, I just I, I watched you know, all night and for, for the next 40 days was Tim Russert. Yeah. And I just think Tim Russert had a great uh, ability to communicate what was going. He had a lot less technology. I mean, the famous thing with Tim Russert. The on election night too, the, yeah. The grease board. I think yeah. it's at the Smithsonian or it's at one of those big museums. Yeah. Um, but just taking you through what was going on, what the paths were. I think he had a great way of communicating. I think he had a great kind of way about himself on the air. I think he's somebody people just, you know, I know this is working at NBC. I know this is true off the air. I've met so many people. I didn't know him personally, but I've met so many people who did. And they just, they talk about what a great person he was off the air. But I think that came through on the air, you know, and, and, and I think it just, you know, um, the audience wanted to kind of spend time with him. And I know I kind of felt that way as a viewer. So I think it was Russert definitely. It's special. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, when we learned of his passing, like the, the response that me just as a viewer had just completely just felt like a cannonball to the gut. Like that, that's a huge loss. And you know, I, he felt like a guy you'd have a beer with because I think authentically he was a guy you'd have a beer with. He was a Buffalo Bills fan. And like that was just who <laughs> he was. Right. And, was. And like that's really endearing. I think you have a lot of those same qualities where you see you on television. And this is, you know, I think the greatest compliment to a broadcaster to another one is I'm like, I feel like you're authentically yourself and you are who you are. And I love that you lean into that and you get as excited and as fired up by the election results as you do about the NFL playoff scenarios. And I think as a viewer, we really appreciate it. No, I, thanks. And it is. I, I hope that comes through because I'm a fan. You know, it's like I, I do. I care about the election results. I care about, you know, getting it right. I care about the NFL playoff chase. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan myself. Like I said, I'm a, yeah, I grew up a Pats fan. I try to keep that quiet around New York. But, uh, you know, I, I, I got an interest in this, too. So I hope that comes through. All right. And the last two are a little sillier, but I think you'll enjoy um, our, our early episode here. One of the one of the most um, I'd say recognizable, but also daily viewers and passionate viewers to my morning show on NFL Network Good Morning Football is the actor Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd is a huge Chiefs fan, and he will 
text me throughout Good Morning Football. Why are you not talking about Mahomes right now? Why are you busy with Josh Allen? And he loves the show. And we had him on our podcast and he talked about uh, when he got the news that he was voted as people's sexiest man. Um, he wasn't alone. In 2021, I believe Steve Kornacki was voted as one of people's sexiest men alive. Where were you when you got that news? What was your reaction? And how do you, how do you handle such news like that? I feel like my ego would be out of control. I, I tell people that's where the real voter fraud was in, uh, <laughs> in 2020. I have no idea where that. I, all I could say is that uh, you know our, our tastes are in are in decline in this culture. If something yeah. like that is happening, so. was there a photo shoot? Like, do they show up and they're like, "All right, Kornacki, no. put on the khakis." No, none no, of that. No, no. I found out about it, and, and it was I was I was. I, I was on the list. I was nowhere near to the top. And, and believe me, it's it's not been worth the grief I've gotten from my friends. So. <laughs> uh, and my last one is this. We talk about meeting. I just, you know, name drop Paul Rudd so uh, casually. Trust me, I do it every conversation I can. Um, who's the person that is someone that you never thought would ever be a viewer of yours or a fan of yours that has stopped you that you're like, it was pretty crazy. That person X knows my work, loves my work, or even had the, the wherewithal to say, Hey, I know who you are. Oh, it's a good question. Um, my all time favorite movie is, uh, Hoosiers. Okay. And, uh, the, uh, director of Hoosiers turns out was a viewer. And I, you know, I found out, I'm trying to remember exactly how it was that I found out, but um, got in touch with him because he you know, knew my work. Did you go and to Hickory High? Have you been? I, 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 we, I've been to the gym. Um, you have. He lives, you know, he's, they, they went, they're all IU guys. What is it? It's Hinkle Fieldhouse? Is that what it's called? Well, that's, that's where the game, the championship game was shot at okay. Hinkle Fieldhouse, which is Butler's. All right. But there is a gym probably about an hour east of Indianapolis, and it, it, it's the gym that was Hickory High's home, and they've converted into, they play games there, but they also, it's almost like a museum to, you know, the movie Hoosiers, to Indiana high school basketball. So I've been there. I saw like an exhibition game there, which was a really cool experience. And I got to go to an Indiana University game with David Anspaugh, the director. That's with, amazing. With his, the, the, the writer. And, you know, they went to IU. You know, they grew up in the culture of Indiana basketball. And I just, I heard so many great stories from them. And it was a, just, a, just a great, uh, I spent the whole weekend asking them a million questions about, you know, the movie about Bobby Knight about, you know, it was, yeah. it was a great, uh, great experience. Jimmy Chitwood. Do they put their yeah. khaki pants on one leg at a time, just like you do? It's no? <laughs> yeah, not bad, right? <laughs> measure, measure the rims. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I really appreciate you coming on. You'll be on Sunday night. I imagine we'll be uh, glued to the television set to see what the latest playoff breakdown is. Yeah, actually not this Sunday because we're, it's Christmas night. and There's only going to be a couple games that okay. day. So it's, it's going to be a kind of bare bones, but the last two weeks, we'll new year's day, we'll pick it up again. And then, Last week and all that fun chaos of the final Sunday of the year. As someone who is a complete mess on the touchscreen every morning on our show where I don't know how to work this button and they're telling me to zoom in and I completely, you know, just I'm faltering everywhere. I am amazed at your grace and your you know, dexterity on the board, but also the information in it. Steve Kornacki, this was a thrill for me and I think our viewers are gonna, and listeners are going to love it. Thanks so much for joining the season with Peter Schrager. Hey, happy to do it. Good luck to you the rest of the season. Awesome. Guys, Steve Kornacki. Football night in America, Sunday nights, you see him, uh, an amazing, amazing mind when it comes to data, but also footballs and scenarios. And now in this case, the playoff scenario and awesome dude also. Thanks, Steve. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love. 
online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details all right steve kornacki was awesome and in there he said the giants are in really good position to make the playoffs so that they just have to take care of business with the colts in two weeks or the eagles team that is going to be benching their starters in the final week and the giants could be looking at a sixth seed which would be wild considering how dark and dreary the last few years have been and how dark and dreary the start of december has been i gotta tell you i stayed up Way too late Sunday, wired, just like just like completely electrified by the Giants Commanders game. A because of the calls, B because of what it means to New York City, and C because of all the Giants fans that I have in my life. And I'm on Twitter and I see some great, great giant fan content out there. And on a week-to-week basis, there may be no better stuff than what I see from my next guest. His name is Eli Rax, but Eli Rax also goes by vibes because he is constantly positive and vibing with the Giants. He's not one of these woe is me guys. And he was feeling himself on Sunday night on Twitter. I asked him on the show, Eli Rax, what is up, man? What is going on? Peace and blessings, brother Shrek. Thank you for having me on, man. This is, this is a great opportunity. Thank you so much. <laughs> I got to tell you, you do your own content online. It's New York oh, yeah. Revival. You guys do great stuff. But I got to get right into it. What's it feel like to be a Giants fan after finally getting a big win, first time in maybe a decade? Let me tell you this, man. And I just want to paint this picture first for the Giants community. 2016. I mean, all Giants fans know that day, right? It's like your first case. You can't forget it, right? That's the last time the Giants have made the playoffs. So winning this Sunday 
is exactly what we needed for this Giants community, for this city. Guys, we finally are making the playoffs. An 88% chance to 90 of making the playoffs. 88%. All right, 88% to, man, we'll take 88, right? I'll take those odds to Vegas any given Sunday. But the Giants have a chance to make the playoffs. Guys, this is it. This is what we waited for. Six long years. Guys, this should be in your man cave of Shrine, of Coach Dayball, and freaking Joe Shane at this point. All right? New York City is buzzing. Giants, we are here. We arrived. This is amazing. Shrek's, how do you feel? This is amazing. <laughs> uh, I feel great. And, you know, I, I've kind of, I grew up a Giants fan, but I put that hat away and I, you know, I'm, I'm objective. I'm on NFL Network. I'm on Fox. I'm on the sidelines doing all these things. But I got to tell you, I got like a little grin in my face oh, yeah. watching Kayvon Thibodeau just, just dominate that game. Giants haven't had a guy like this on defense since, oh, I don't know. I mean, you tell me, Stray and OC and Tuck and those guys. Like, Definitely. I don't, this guy was unbelievable on Sunday. As a Giants fan, A, what was your reaction when they drafted Kayvon Thibodeau? And then B, Sunday night, seeing him step up like he did. Listen, when I tell you, I was a huge fan of Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, coming out the draft, seeing him in college, they were saying he had a slow motor. But I didn't see that when I broke down his film. I saw that the guy didn't really didn't give up on the plays as some analysts thought. And just to see him come out and be that guy, to have that high motor, you could tell he was looking gassed or some of this stuff, but he was still out there attacking that defense. Man, it was a huge coming out party for Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm so proud of that guy, man. But he's exactly what I expected watching that film, that this guy is going to be a monster. He's going to continue to, to disrupt this league. And, man, I'm just glad he's on the Giants, man, for sure. <laughs> What's your reaction to Commanders fans saying that the refs won that game, not the Giants? Listen, there's a lot of calls that didn't go to Giants' way this season as well, right? Yeah, we didn't really cry about it. But just to see you guys on my timeline, even even Kevin Durant, man. Really? Like, come on. Come on, Durant. You, you have a, a – number one, you're in Brooklyn, okay? So in your contract, it's not really in there, but you're supposed to root for the New York team regardless because you're in Brooklyn. <laughs> right? So I don't want to see none of that on my timeline. Get over it. Go fight the Colts and, uh, I mean, the Lions, et cetera, for your spot, all right? This is it. We got our spot. Stop crying. Yeah, Let's that's go. That's where they're at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I love this. Uh, just take us through like the giant fan community over the last five years. I know this sounds like a weird question because everyone just assumes that like WFAN is where people go for their content or MSG or or even NFL Network or ESPN. But like there is such a – I wouldn't say it's like a sub world, but there is like – if you're a diehard Giants fan, you know your stuff, you know – uh, you know, Big Blue, what's it? Big Blue Interactive. Yeah. You've got like the Absolutely. sites that really follow it day to day and the Reddit threads and all that stuff. It's kind of cool that you guys have all become almost more influential and more go-to than the TV networks and the radio stations. You know, it's pretty awesome, man. I mean, for the last six years, I mean, we have other platforms such as Talking Giants, Entertainer Talking Sports, uh, New York Revival as well. So, you know, what we do is just, you know, it's just great, man, to have a pulse on the Giants community and to actually get to this point of winning football is this makes the content a whole lot easier to put out. But to give the Giants a spin, you know, within that six years to say, hey, we will get there. We will surpass and, you know, stop losing events. Eventually. And to finally get to this point within the Giants community, let me tell you, it was awesome. But they used to, there was there was some some people banging their heads against the wall. There was some fighting. There was a lot of lot of Giants fans wearing paper bags over their heads. So to get to this day, take that paper bag off, man. Enjoy these moments. Win, lose, or draw. But right now we're winning. But enjoy this moment, Giants fans. It's been a very, very long time. Take it all in. And um, the fact that we have a chance to fight to get to the pinnacle like the Super Bowl, I mean, all it takes is one game, right? So, 
You got to enjoy this moment, man. This is awesome. All right. Uh, I'm going to wrap it here with you. I appreciate you coming on. Why don't you let us know where we can find your stuff and who you do the show with. And uh, if you're not a Giants fan and you want to see complete New York hysteria when it comes to sports fans, this is where to go. I love checking in with these guys every <laughs> single week. So, guys, you can follow me at I am Eli Rax on Twitter and IG. But, guys, most importantly, I'm from the New York Revival Gang with my guy, Mr. Glass Half Full and Mr. El Jefe Pilgrim. If you don't know his videos by now, then I don't know what you guys are tapped into, all right? This is where the Giants is at. We bring that here, okay? So tap in, man, New York Revival, at New York Revival on Twitter, and at New York Revival underscore on IG. Come check us out, man. I'm telling you, you'll have a great time. I'm for sure, for sure. <laughs> New York Revival. Eli, we appreciate you. Keep on with those good vibes. Thanks for joining the podcast, my man. Good luck to your Giants. I appreciate you, Shrek. Same here. Thank you so much. Peace and blessings. All right, there we go. Fun episode. Um, Buffalo, awesome. Steve Kornacki, great. Eli Rax, also known as Vibes. You can just feel there's like optimism around the Giants for the first time since I've been an adult, I think. And that's what it feels like in New York City right now. Life is good. The NFL's in a great place. We've got an amazing weekend ahead. Like Saturday is the big day. I'm going to, we're doing our Fox NFL kickoff pregame show on Saturday, not on Sunday, because there's only a few games on Christmas. They're mostly on Christmas Eve. But even the Christmas Day games, which I was like, Oh, those games stink. I don't care about Broncos, Rams. Like, I don't know. Packers, Dolphins is a game. Like, that's two teams fighting for their playoff lives. I'll be watching it. Um, but I do want to real quickly wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. Have a great holiday. If you celebrate Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, have an awesome holiday season. And I beg of you, please be safe. So many silly things happen during this time of year. Be smart with your drinking. Be smart with the driving, all that stuff. Um, just, uh, appreciate everyone listening and Aaron to you, my buddy, um, have a great holiday season. You too. I'll see you soon, man. Yeah. On behalf of Aaron Wong Kaufman, on behalf of the iHeart team, on behalf of our two guys in studio here, Mike and Jason, just kicking ass. We're doing it. Uh, Jack Rudd, our music maestro with the amazing beats. And on behalf of the NFL and the NFL digital team, thank you for listening to this podcast. Kornacki, cool guy. I love them. Until uh, next week, the season with Peter Schrager. Thanks for listening, everybody. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is Aaron's. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at Aaron's. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. 
Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.